morning, everyone. It's good to be with you. And uh, wow, that was a great time of worship. There's nothing that I love doing more is leading God's people into worship. There's just something powerful when we come together and just sing unto Him as, as one body. And, and like we talked about um, uh, this morning, it's, it's been like five or six years that I've, I've been back here and, and, and stood here uh, before you. And uh, so thank you, uh, Mark, for this opportunity. Love coming here. And uh, so I thought it'd be really good to catch you up on these past five and six years of, of what's been happening in our lives. Now, how many people, do you, do you know, who, who knows who I am? Okay, wow. Who doesn't know who I am? Wow. Okay. Well, I'm going to catch you up anyways <laughs> and introduce you to some of my family. So in the past five or six years, uh, we've actually moved from Kistner and we moved to Hamilton. And now we live in Paris, the beautiful little town of Paris. And uh, I am, like I said, on staff at Evangel, working there. And uh, we've gone through about 11 dogs. And that, I, I know. That's what I thought. It's a long story. And uh, if you want to ask me about why you went through 11 dogs in, in, in that span of time, uh, we can talk about it. But let me tell you about my pride, my joy, my family. So my son, uh, who is 22, he, uh, yeah, that, that's Aaron. So he's actually about six foot four, and that screen makes him look like he's about eight foot ten. Uh, He's, he's tall, but uh, I'm so proud of this young man because God has taken him from a co-op position in H&M to now to a management position in H&M in the past four years. So that's, that's pretty cool. And then my eldest, Alyssa, well, she gave us this bundle of joy uh, five year, four years ago, and his name is Asher. And so uh, I know what you're thinking. You're a grandpa? Uh, yeah, I am. I know, you, I, know, I know I don't look that old, and, and I appreciate that. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a granddad, and uh, I love it. I love this little boy. He's amazing. And then our youngest went, uh, we were told that she wouldn't graduate from uh, high school, that she really wouldn't amount to nothing. That's what we were told uh, by an organization because of some challenges that she had in her life. Well, I am very happy to say that in this past five or, uh, five or six years that she's graduated with honors from uh, high school, and then she dropped a bomb on us about uh, four months ago and said, hey, Dad, I'm, I'm going to go to New Zealand. I'm like, what do you mean you're going to go to New Zealand? And uh, he goes, yeah, I really feel God's calling me to go with Youth with the Mission and go to New Zealand. Uh, anybody who knew what Youth with the Mission is, you understand? Okay, so it's a mission program. It's six months. And so our baby, who was going to amount to nothing, is leaving two weeks tomorrow. Yeah, that's life. I figure the same thing. Like, it's crazy. So the shameless plug is she does have a, a GoFundMe page for support. That's a, that's a dad, that's a dad, uh, dad, shameless dad little plug there. So, uh, and, uh, and then my wife, my beautiful wife, we've been married for be 27 years this month. And, uh, and I'll tell you, she was leading the prayer meeting in, in, uh, in church, at the churches that we've worked in. And I was leading worship and I was preaching and doing teaching uh, in the church. You know, we were like the picture-perfect family, uh, loved by all. You know, people loved being with us and having people over. But really, on the, the surface, it looked great. But on the inside, it wasn't so much. I was decaying. I was, de- I was um, failing. I was uh, dying. With only silent cries of help from my own heart of what to do. And I remember reading uh, in Facebook, you may have seen this going around in Facebook this past couple of weeks about the pastor in Chino, California, who tragically took his life. A young family, three boys, married, and uh, anxiety and depression had consumed him, and they found him. Uh, Dad, I'm thinking, God, I sort of relate to that. 
because of some of the things that have gone in my life. And so this morning, I haven't come to you with some flashy sermon title. As a matter of fact, when um, Mark came to me back in March when he was coming, or April when we were going through Stations of the Cross, he said, I heard you preached at West's Church in Suites. And I don't know what you preached, but I'd love you to come to my church. But the only reason you're going to come to church and the only way you can come to my church is if you preach that same message. I went, oh. Okay, I can do that for you for sure, because this message is so much a part of my life. It's who I am and what God is doing in my life. And this, this sermon title is just two words this morning. And uh, for the past five years, God has been working in my heart, and truthfully, he's been cleaning house in my life. And so this morning, uh, this message won't be new to any of you, I'm sure, but it's a message that resonates so much in my heart this morning and in my life and in my family that I hope by the time you leave here this morning, it'll also resonate in your heart as well. And this is all it is, is God restores. God restores. Getting past your personal failures. And I can't tell you how many times in my life I've heard message after message after message on the restoration and power of the God that we serve. But it's taken me a long time, and I finally understood what it meant about God's restoration power. So I'm hoping that through my heart and my transparency uh, this morning, that you too will be uh, brought to a different level in your relationship with God. And for some of you that are going through some really difficult times or some things that are happening in your life or happened in your life that have defined you, that you will understand what it's like to be consumed by that restoration power of God because God does restore. So for me, it was getting past my personal failures. Man, that's been, it was such a downfall in my life, failure after failure and, and truthfully, I'm sure that all of us at one time or another have said something that we wish we'd never said or done something that we wish we had never done. And that haunts us. And it haunts us through the years. And it plagues us. And for some of us, it's really hard to get past our own past and see how God really sees us and how he does restore. And we may know that God forgives, but we have a real difficult time forgiving ourselves. And that was something that I had dealt with for so many years of my life, was forgiving me, forgiving myself. And it's a heaviness that just seems to linger over you, a guilt that constantly reminds you about the bad decisions you've made, or possibly the reoccurring sin that happens week after week, and you keep going to God about it, and you can't seem to get over this aching in the sense of total failure, and you just can't seem to get over that hump in your life. Well, this morning, I'm here to remind you from what says in Romans chapter 8, verse 38. I love the way the message puts this. It says, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Think about that this morning. Having those big arms of God embracing you. Nothing can get between that. Uh, it's such a beautiful truth this morning. And so I want to dive into this and help you understand some of the things that I have gone through and what God has shown me on the area of restoration. So if you're taking notes, I, uh, I, would, I, I challenge you to do that. Get these notes down because you're probably going to remember 20% of what I tell you this morning uh, after you leave this building or a week from now. And uh, this is, this is going to help some of you this morning. So uh, number one is we have to recognize that your biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. 
Now, these points in this sermon may not be rocket science, but when it's been applied to my life and I see what God has done in my life, it really just brings things to a, to a head. And, and so you might say, well, that's, I've heard that before. Well, let's go deeper in this and see what God can speak to you through what he's shown me. So we have to recognize that your biggest sins are not too big for God's grace. There's a quote that says this, you can run away and hide, but grace is relentless. Grace will chase you down. God's amazing grace. I've been a follower of, uh, of Christ for 26 years now, and one of the things that's been profoundly aware to me is that so many people live consumed by guilt, and that could be you here this morning. And let me, let me just tell you this, and, and hear me on this. Guilt is not from God. It never has been. I believe we have a very a real spiritual enemy who would love for us just to tread in water, in an ocean of guilt. But that's not where God wants you to stay because guilt paralyzes action. It won't allow you to move forward. That's not what God wants. We have to start thinking things differently and understand there's a difference between guilt and the power of conviction. This is the, the two of them are so different. And the beauty is that conviction is given to us by God, by his Holy Spirit. And it's one of the most beautiful things God could have ever given to us because it produces change in our life. Guilt won't do that because you'll stay there and you will just loathe in what's happening and you won't be able to move forward. But uh, conviction produces changes in our lives. Listen to this familiar verse in Scripture from 1 John 1, 9 that says this, if we confess our sins, then what? God, God is faithful, meaning he will always do it. He is faithful, excuse me, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He wipes it completely clean. And folks, I don't know about you, but to me, that is so, so powerful. Let me illustrate it by this. It reminds me of this little toy that I used to have when I was young. Anybody remember this toy? Okay, the Etch-a-Sketch, right? Yeah. Well, you create these little pictures and things that you do with those two little white knobs. As a matter of fact, young people, this is like the iPad of our, our generation. <laughs> so, and... Uh, and so, but you try to make these circles. For those of you that have used an Etch-a-Sketch, you'll get it. You try to make circles that just never turn out. They're crooked. They're points. It doesn't work. And so what do you do when your picture doesn't look just like the way you want it? Yeah, you take it and you shake it. And the more you shake it, that whole picture begins to, bis to disappear. Isn't God like that in our lives? Because it speaks so clearly from what we just read in Scripture. For some of us, we may need to be shaken a little more for God to get our attention. But the fact is that he is faithful and he is just. He's an all-powerful, ever-present God who makes a choice of his will to limit his memory, remembering our sins no more. And that is a powerful truth this morning. I'm reading this, um, this book called Grace is Greater and by Kyle Eidemann. And he, in his book, he, he has this quote. And I'll tell you, I stopped reading at this moment because it just impacted my life so much. It says, the worst thing that could happen is that you spend your life trying to outrun God because you think he's chasing you to collect what you owe, when in fact, he's really chasing you to give you what you could never afford. Wow. That messed me up. 
that was a it was a quote that I just I didn't have, I just think it's it's a powerful quote. Anyways, let's move on. Um, point number two here. So you are not what you have done. You are who God says you are. Your failure, the things you've come through in your life that you've carried for years and years and years does not define who you are. Your identity is not in that. You are the very product and the identity of what God has breathed over your very life. That is what defines you. And that is incredible. Because Satan loves, our enemy loves to keep us paralyzed. He loves for us to personalize the sins that we commit, which ends up trapping us and paralyzing us. He tries to get us in a mindset where the things that we've done become who we see ourselves to be. Labels. So it's not just I've committed adultery. I am an adulterer. I can't, I'm an adulterer. I can't escape this in my life. I've messed up. I can't go any further. I'm an adulterer. Or I've taken something. I'm a thief. I will always be a thief. I will never be anything other than a thief. Or one step for, further, you don't just say I've failed, but I'm a complete failure. And yeah, I understand the principle behind some of these sins that I've just listed, but it gets to the point where we label ourselves, or worse, people begin to label us. And man, that hurts. And then what happens? We, ne- we identify with these negative labels, allowing them to define who we are rather than seeing the God-centered view of who you are. So despite some of the truths that might be wrapped up in this, you need to see yourself the way God sees you. Not by man, not by your friend, not by by God and how God sees you. I want to be transparent with you because I'm very passionate about this, this message this morning. And I, I've, I've blown it. I've blown it. And you can say, oh, can I blow it? But yeah, I've blown it. I've blown it as a father. I've blown it as a husband. I've blown it as a friend. I've blown it. And I've blown it bad. And we've all been to all those places and Sometimes it's even hard to admit some of the things that we've, we've blown because it just, in our own eyes, it's, it's so, so bad. I've often wanted people in my life to look at me almost like this vase here. You know, it's beautiful. Well, no, I don't want to be looked as beautiful, but handsome. Uh, a beautiful arrangement of flowers. You know, you look, you turn it. Looks great. Every, great. Everything's arranged so beautifully. It's in its place. And it looks really nice. It lights up a room. Just looks, looks pretty amazing. And I wanted people to look at me that way, both in the church and in my own home. But I also wanted more for people outside the church, people who didn't know me, to see me this way as well, more than I really wanted the people that knew me. And so some of you really don't know my story. Um, Growing up, I came from a family of alcoholics, so I ended up becoming a, a weekend alcoholic. Um, I was a manipulator, a liar, sexual sin, and I dragged that all through my life. And what happened was when I got married, I brought that into my marriage. And then about five years ago, because I allowed my life that was hoping to look like this it all came to a head, and and I had to face some 
really, really crazy demons in my own life. And at that point, when I started talking to my wife of some of the things that I was going through and things had come out in my life to people that I knew, it was at that point that this beautiful arrangement of, of a life and that light that would light up a room and the people who loved me, it was almost like at that point I just became broken. And I said to God, I said, I don't know what to do now. And I said, God, I'm at a point in my life that I thought I had it all together, and yet I was decaying and dying, like I told you at the beginning of my sermon. But I didn't know what to do or how to do it or who to talk to or who could I trust. And then the very people, maybe you can relate to this, but the very people who I thought would be there to support me and to, and to help me, they weren't there and have you had this happen to you where people begin to just walk on your brokenness? You know, we've all been there. And you'd hope that the people in the church would come around you. It didn't work that way for me. I was so broken. I needed God to do something. I needed him to restore me. I'm not sure if you've experienced that in your life, but I have. And then we will have those people that will say to us, you know, well, they deserve that. Yeah, they got, they got what was coming to them. Maybe you can understand what I'm saying. But you know what the reality is, is this is not what God designed. And the reason for restoration is God wants to put back and to mend what is broken. And some of you are saying this morning, yeah, yeah, I get, I've been in that place and I've been walked on. And yes, it was at my own hand and that I did it. So now what? Can I really be put back together? Like, can, are, you, are you telling me that the things I've been secretly hiding and carrying, maybe since I was eight or maybe you're 80 or, or where all through these years, can I really be mended? I've heard these sermons over and over again about God's restoration power, but I've never really understood or obtained that in my life. And I say, yeah, it can because in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it tells me if there is anyone in Christ, that means anyone. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or what you've come from or what your past is or what maybe true that label is about your life. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That the old has passed away and see the new has come. Isaiah speaks of God saying, I'm about to do a new thing. I was, I was ready for new in my life. I needed that new in my heart. The Word says I am blessed when I come in and blessed when I go out. I am free because Jesus set me free. That the same Spirit, that same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. And it gives me the ability to overcome and be victorious. That is who I am. I am a child of the one true King. And I know because I've walked this road. And let me tell you something. It's not easy. It's a lot easier said than done. So don't think that this process of what I'm talking about in my life just happened in the snap. It didn't. And every day it's going, uh, it's, God is still working 
in, in my life. You are not what you have done. It doesn't define you, and your sin is not too big for God's grace. You are an overcomer. You are who God says you are. How do I know this? And why do I preach with such conviction? Because I've seen what God has done, and it can best be told by both myself and my wife, who isn't here. So I want you to watch this. Hi, my name is Ken. And my name is Julie. And we are Overcomers. So we've been married for almost 26 years. And um, Julie and I often talk about just what you bring into a marriage before you're married, some of the the baggage and, and things that um, come into a marriage and you, know, you think you know each other and a typical happy couple getting married, always good and, and years go on and got involved in ministry and um, yeah, it was, it was good. It was good and, until God began to work in, in, in my life, specifically my life. Just uh, I was in a real dark place and I, I pretty much just um, was uh, giving up on life, just giving up on my marriage. And, uh, well, our marriage was over. Yeah, probably at that time it was. It was, it was done. We were just, uh, I guess, putting on the, the facade, you know, going to church, making it look like everything was okay. And really deep down, it, it wasn't. It was mostly me. Um, Julie was, you know, the best. She was always supportive wife. She was always there. But there's always things that you just, you deal with in your heart, in your life, and in and, and you think you're doing okay, and, and really you're not. And I would, you know, get on stage and lead worship and, and make up like, these greats, and I was really, I was burning out. I was just all kinds of things happening in my life, and, and um, I didn't realize how, how bad I'd become. And then things just kept compounding and compounding. And uh, just, we just broke. I broke. It got to the point where the marriage was just finished. And he was leaving, he was going off to Toronto, and I was going to be with the kids, the three kids. And, and I got to a real dark place and just told God, well, if this is how things were going to be, and if he wasn't going to protect our family and our home. And I felt like Ken was just so far gone that there was no hope for our marriage, there was no hope for him. And, I just got to the point where I just said, I'm going to live my life as a Sunday Christian. I'm done. I'm done with praying. But God woke me up at around 5 o'clock in the morning, and I heard this audible voice tell me that out of your brokenness, you're going to move mountains. And Kenneth just felt like there was no hope for him. That's how he felt, and that's what I felt. And that's why he had just given up, that there was no light at the end of the tunnel. But God spoke to me and said out of my brokenness that I would move mountains. And then he spoke to me and said, just as an author writes a story, that I was to keep my eyes on God, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And just as an author writes a story, so God was writing a story of our lives page by page and that he was going to fix this and I came across a verse in the Bible and I said to Ken you need to listen to this verse because this verse says that well I mean it was really a verse that was really the the transformation of my life was this verse and it was um 
taking every taking every thought into captivity that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And Julia had shared that with me, and and I, I realized at that time, as, as dark as it was, and hitting bottom, and not seeing a way out of, of what I was going through, um, that that scripture rattled me, and I couldn't I couldn't get that in my mind, and um, and so. It was one night I was just, I was in bed, I was sleeping, and, and it was almost like God spoke to me. It was a scripture, and in the dream, it was a prison cell, and it was like um, the, the, the prison cell was, th- was shut, and the, the key was tossed to the side, and it was like God was speaking to me, saying, you know, everything you're going through, all those thoughts that try to come against you, which are coming against me, you need to just lock those up, throw the key away, and, and just never remember anymore like walk away because you can make it through the situation and it was like a light went off it's like yeah captivity someone who gets captured is you know is thrown in prison and they lock the door and throw away the key and walk away so that's what happened I had to just walk you know walk away from that and to and to take what that scripture was saying and it was so powerful to me and I will hold on to that scripture and, and we will always understand, you know, what we went through didn't define who, who we are today. At that point, I was like, I'm not willing to, to give up. We're going to make this work. And we will overcome these obstacles and overcome these situations in our life. Because all things are possible things, through Christ who loves us. Yeah. And, uh, and here we are today, going on 26 years, loving each other even more. And uh, not always easy. That's the way life is. But... Uh, Overcomers, right? Right, overcomers. <laughs> that is why I know. Those dark places, those lonely places, I've, I've been there. And when the devil's there whispering in my ear or in your ear trying to label you, I think of Peter. Could you imagine how Peter must have felt when he denied Christ three times? And he was told he was going to do that. And then the, the rooster crowed. How many times after that, every time a rooster crowed, he was reminded of that. Every single time, every morning he got up, that rooster would crow. He'd be reminded, you denied Christ. You denied Christ. You denied Christ. So there had to come a point in Peter's life where he just shut that right down. And that's what we need to do the same. Can I just tell you and challenge you this? Don't let the devil distract you from your destiny. And let's stop pulling out the past in people's lives and start speaking to the potential that lies within them. Because the church is good at that. We are here to support and love and help each other, especially in brokenness, not kick them and beat them while they're down. And this is the last point this morning. Number three, you cannot change your past, but Christ can change your future. We talked about that scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It talked about if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. You know, in our brokenness, it's easy. It's easy to go to people and, and blame. In our brokenness, that's what we want to do. We want to blame other people. We want to blame the situation. Oh, I did. I blamed everybody and their brother and mother and what I was going through. And then we get angry. And then we take our brokenness and, and we begin to hand out our brokenness by stabbing people or, or cutting them with our words and, and saying things that you'll regret later anyways. And we don't own what we've done. 
I had to understand. It took me 12 months of counseling to understand that, Ken, you did it. Now own it and move on from it. And there were so many things in my life that, that I was taught through that, through that five or six years of my life and still learning today. You see, there are th- other things that come out of brokenness. Before that vase was broken, there was beauty inside that vase. But that same vase that is broken right here on the stage in a million pieces, the beauty is still there. It just gets masks masked because of the brokenness in our life. The beauty never left. And that's why Joel 2.25 exists where it says, I will restore the you the years which the swarming locust has eaten. I don't care what your story is or, or what you've done or, or what's keeping you from fully moving into what God wants to do. It's your story. And you can't escape your, this is my story. This is my wife's story. And I'm telling you this story because some of you here this morning can relate to my story. And I will tell you this, never give up on your marriage. Never give up. No matter how difficult it may seem, don't give up. Because we're a product of what God will do when two parties reconcile and come together. It's easy to divorce. It's easy to say, I'm done. It's so easy, those words, and walk away. It's hard to reconcile and to become vulnerable and to realize what you've done. But when you do that and forgiveness is put in place, God can do so much more. It's like Julie said in the story, you know, it's an author. God is the author. He's writing your story. He's writing my story. But many times we take that pen from the author and we begin to write our own story. And God is saying, that's not the way that I intended this for to be in your life. And God says, I need back that pen. And when the pen is given back, he begins to erase. That etch-a-sketch begins to happen. And you go to him for forgiveness and God forgives you and begins to rewrite your story. Because that's the type of God that we serve. Now, we have these things that have come out of brokenness, and we can either let them just sit here and dry up and die, or we can take them, and with our story, we can begin to not cut people down, not hurt people but begin to extend the beauty that's in our brokenness and allow God to use your story in the midst of what you're going through. Because there is beauty in brokenness. There is beauty in the affliction. There is beauty in the pain. And you may not see it right away, But God tells me in Ecclesiastes that he makes all things beautiful in his time. If the enemy can keep us from telling our story, then he wins. But God says in his word that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We don't need to go into detail about what story has happened in our lives. We can tell the story without telling the story. But I can tell you this. I can stand here and tell you that God does restore It's a process. Because truthfully, I shouldn't be alive. I should be in jail. I should be dead. And I'll tell you, at one point, I wanted to die so bad. But God stepped in and said, no, no, I have greater plans for you. 
I remember a guy um, being at Brayside Camp, if you know Brayside Camp, and there was a gentleman who was preaching, and he was from London, England. I, don't, I didn't know this guy from Adam. And he came off the, off the pulpit and starts to walk towards me, and then I go into panic mode. I thought, oh, Lord, <laughs> what's going to happen? And I thought, oh, maybe he's going to go to somebody else. But no, no, he walks right up to me, and he has no idea what I'm going through. And he said, sir, I don't know you, but I feel God has a word for you. And I'm going to give it to you exactly how God's going to give it to me. This doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to just give He says, he told me to tell you that your shelf life hasn't expired. I'm like, whoa. You have no idea what that means to hear that. Because really, that's how I felt. I felt like I had expired. I felt like I was done. I couldn't do ministry. I couldn't do anything. But God spoke through a man in, from London, England, to tell me that my shelf life hadn't expired. That's amazing. It was a hard, hard journey. My family got affected. My kids, I had to get up before church, tell them what I'd done. That's hard. But I don't care. I, I was more concerned about my family, my kids. And I remember that when I sat my kids down and said, hey, guys, um, Dad has to go before the church this morning and just tell them a few things that I've done that isn't cool. However, I don't want you to be there. You don't need to, you don't need to be a part of what's going to happen. And, and my, my eldest looked at me, and she said, Dad, if you have to get up in front of the church to divulge things that you've done, we're going to stand right behind you. And we'll tell people what we've done. And then they better get out of their seats and get behind me and tell everybody else what they've done. I get that you're a leader and you failed, but that's not going to define who you are in our eyes because I know how much you love us and what God is going to do through you. So we're behind you 100%. Philippians 3, 12, 16, and this sums up my life. It says, I'm not saying that I have this all together because I don't. I don't have this all together. Or that I've made it. But I'll tell you this one thing, I'm, I'm well on my way. I'm reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. The band can come back at this time. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this because I do not. But I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and I'm running and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. And that word want is the key in this scripture because you have to want it. And you have to want to make the change because God restores, but it's still a journey. And there's some things that we have to do. And there was a lot that I had to do. But if my wife was here with me this morning, she would stand up beside me and say, we've walked this journey and as difficult as it was, it has been amazing. Because now our story will become someone else's story. And we'll be able to speak into their lives and help them through whatever they're going through. Beautifully afflicted. And that's where we are 
today. Beauty in the affliction. Would you please just bow your heads this morning and let's just pray. Oh, God. God of power. God of beauty. Right now, God, in your presence and in your name that we pray that those who have been bound by their labels that people have put on their lives from young to old, and those who have been hurt by others, those who feel trapped in guilt and can't even forgive themselves, God, I pray that your spirit would sweep this place and they would find healing and forgiveness and transformation and, and restoration. Life isn't easy, God, but it becomes easier when we surrender to you give you back the pen so that you can continue to write our story. So Lord, help us in this place this morning not to allow these words to fall on deaf ears, but a Holy Spirit minister and touch for people who have carried burden after burden over years and years of not forgiving themselves. God, may this day be a day of freedom. And God, would you do it again? And with your heads bowed this morning, this is personal, so let's just keep it to ourselves and, and God this morning, at least this part. And if any part of this message has resonated, like I talked at the very beginning, I want to pray with you. I want to encourage you. I want to bless you. We serve a God of power and might. 51 years of age, and I'm just getting it now. Wish I could turn back time, but I can't. But what I do know is that my years ahead are going to be a whole lot greater than my former years. Today is the day to let it go. I don't care if you've, if you've done this a million times. There comes a point where you have to make that conscious decision to make it happen. Maybe you have to go to counseling. I did. Best thing I ever did. Maybe you have to speak to your pastor. I did. Best thing I ever did. And maybe you have to confess to your wife or your husband. I did. And it was the best thing I could ever do. So if that's you this morning, you say, Ken, yeah, yeah, it resonated. You said things that just really hit me right in my heart. And I'm so tired of just carrying the labels of what people have put on me and, and not being able to forgive myself. I need prayer this morning. Would you just lift your hands and say, Ken, would you pray for me? I'm not going to embarrass you this morning. Let me see your hands right now. Yes, 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 yes. Anyone else? Yes. Anyone else here this morning? And if that's not you, that's fine. Yes, thank you. It's hard because you leave yourself vulnerable. Just look at me this morning. I know it's hard. I'm not telling you anything that I haven't already gone through. The shame, that's why I love that line, that song that says, my shame has come undone in your presence. Because that's exactly what God does. Vulnerability is not a bad thing. 
I thought it was because that means people have to know what I'm going through. But I got to a point I didn't care anymore because I wanted God so much and I love my wife so much that I wasn't going to let the enemy destroy my life. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to stand. Go ahead and stand this morning. And uh, if you want prayer, I'm not saying I have any magic formula, but I want to pray with you because I get it. I relate to it. I understand. I'd love to pray. Pray a blessing over you. Pray for you and believe God with you that he will set you free and you'll begin to walk the road of restoration as they sing this song. As soon as the song starts, if you want prayer, don't hesitate. If you want prayer, then come to the front. Let's go ahead and sing this song. is my 
Sing your promise.
Wow. Thank you, Kingsway, for allowing me to come into your hearts and your lives this morning, to be vulnerable and to be who I am, knowing that God restores. And I want to make this a declaration this morning as we close and sing this song. I've seen you move. Come on. Let's declare it. Here we go. Oh, yes, Lord. I've seen you move because you move the mountains and I believe you do it again. You made a way where there was no Lift your hands in this place. I see you move. As you move that mountain. And I believe. I'll see you do it again. Father, this morning, we won't forget. And I thank you for the, the vulnerability of those people I prayed with this morning and what you did and what you're going to do and what you're going to continue to do in their lives. And everyone in this building, Lord, I speak a blessing over this church, over their pastor and their families, that God, when they leave this place, when you leave this place, may the power of the living God walk with you and surround you, and go before you. May you walk in a life of victory, in a life of restoration, knowing that the God that you serve is a God who will do exceedingly, abundantly, more than what we will ever ask or imagine. Thanks. God bless you.